We all know that change is often difficult, and one department that knows this all too well is the security team. The case for doing things differently in the name of secure practice is a tough sell, but new research finds progress in the face of resistance. Veracode's latest State of Software Security report reveals that we're seeing changes in application security as the partnership between development and the security team evolves. Hi, I'm Joan Goodchild, Content Director with IDG, and in Episode 3 of our podcast series, A Hard Look at Software Security, we'll discuss the synergy between development and security teams and what practices help create a solid DevSecOps program. This podcast is brought to you by Veracode, which delivers the application security solutions and services today's software-driven world requires. I'm joined today by Chris Weisopel, co-founder and chief technology officer with Veracode. Welcome, Chris. Hi, Joan. It's good to be here speaking with you. Now, let's start with where the relationship between security and development teams has been historically. In your experience, how have these two groups generally interacted? I think historically, the relationship has been pretty dysfunctional. The security team acted like an external auditor. They weren't really interacting much with the team. It was as if they were coming in from the outside as an external auditor at a point in time and doing their review and then basically handing a report back to the development team. So they weren't really working with them as the software was being built. They were just giving an assessment at a point in time. And oftentimes that point in time is uh, right at the end of the development life cycle when the development team wants to ship the code. So it didn't take into account the way the development team needed to work in order to build the software, deploy the software, and the, really the needs of the business. So what factors have pushed toward a more cooperative relationship between these teams? Well, as development cycles have sped up, you know, we're no longer shipping software once a year or, you know, updating our websites once a year. With the rise of agile development methods, we're able to iterate our software much quicker. You know, how often does your mobile app update or your browser or, you know, the websites you interact with? You don't even know when they update. They're just continuously updating. So we're seeing these iterative development cycles move from monthly to weekly to almost daily. And so the idea that you can check the software at a point in time and understand its security posture and understand what the risk is and, and, and try to lower that risk by helping the development team fix those issues, the point in time approach doesn't work anymore. And it needs to be continuous, just like all the other things in software development. So the security team is grappling with how do we get security embedded into a continuous development lifecycle? So let's talk about the findings of the report. What did Veracode's State of Software Security report find when it comes to the relationship between DevOps and the security team? What changes are you observing? So the big thing we found was there was a direct correlation between how often the development team releases code to how quickly they're able to fix fix security issues. So 
it turns out that the more you scan your code and the more often you're pushing to production, the more the quicker you're going to be fixing things. So uh, those more continuous development methodologies lend themselves to rapidly fixing security defects. So it makes sense, right? The, one of the reasons people move to these iterative models is they're able to build higher quality, more robust solutions, and security really is taking advantage of that. We found that teams that build their code on a daily basis who are using a DevOps methodology fix flaws 11 times faster than the average development team. So they're fixing flaws in days after those flaws have been you know, introduced instead of many, many weeks. And that really just makes for a much more productive team when it comes to building security in. A reminder that this podcast is brought to you by Veracode, which delivers the application security solutions and services today's software-driven world requires. So, Chris, what's your take on what this means for the future of secure coding in organizations? So, I think what it means is the relationship between the security team and the development team have to change. The development team has to take responsibility for building security in. So they have to change their development life cycle such that security testing is run by them it's, and it's done in an automated way and it interacts deeply with all of their other systems they're using, whether it's continuous integration or defect tracking systems. It becomes a first-class part of the development process. And the security team takes on a more consultative role where they are brought in to advise or in those more challenging situations that the developers can't deal with, they, they, they pitch in. But gone are the days that they were sort of auditors that came in, ran all the testing, and then handed a document to the development team at, at a point in time. That's really the shift that we're, that we're seeing. And you know, frankly, development teams like that better. They don't want to be scanned and scolded by an external team. They want to learn how to just build security in better and, and deal with their own problems without having to in, engage with someone else. For listeners who are hearing this and they're thinking about and seeking ways to create a security-first culture in their organizations, what are some action items they could take from this discussion that we're having today? Yeah, so the in the, the old the old world, the way a, a a developer interacted with security was to, you know, read a finding in a report and it says, you know, you have cross-site scripting, you know, you need you need to fix it. And it, you know, that's completely reactive, right? What has to happen is the uh, the security team the development team needs to have some training up front so they understand what these vulnerabilities are. They probably didn't learn this in school. So they, they have to have some training and they have to understand how the tools work and, and how they can deal self-service with the output of the tools themselves. So there's a, there's a training aspect to it. And what we recommend is run security testing on your code and go over the output with an expert that can, can walk you through so that you have an understanding of you know, how, why, how this is exploitable. You know, what's the best way to fix it? What's the best way to write your code so that that doesn't happen? And I think everyone in the security team needs that level of awareness. But what we see work really well and, um, 
and allow security to be self-service by the team is the concept of a security champion. So the security champion is, is a developer or a tester. It's someone who is on that development team, not on the security team, who has been given extra training by the security team so they can be aware of things that go beyond what just automated testing tools can do. Like, you know, if there's a security feature being re-implemented, say it's your password reset mechanism or something like that, that's pretty critical and, and will require some human review. The security champion can recognize that that's the situation. And if they're skilled enough, if they've been doing this long enough, maybe they can do it themselves. But if they can't, they can call on the security team to do that. So the security champion becomes you know, taking some of the responsibility that traditionally the security team would do, the security champion does, but also they're the eyes and ears of the security team. So things aren't found too late. They're not found in production. They're found during the process of building things. And so this is another way that we talk of shifting left. Not only are we shifting testing left, we're shipping awareness of of security critical things being built left. And so they can be dealt with at that time rather than at the last minute, right before you go to production or, or even worse in production where it's much more expensive to fix things and it really impacts productivity. Now, if you were a CISO and you needed to go to the board to make the case for, you know, some of the budgetary allocations for some of the things we just talked about and, you know, for developing a security champion on the team, what kind of case would you make? What factors would you use? Maybe even are there some numbers you'd pull from the research in order to, you know, prove the actual benefits of some of the things you've just mentioned? Yeah, so I don't think you have to, it's, uh, it's not going to cost any more money to do this because you're not going to hire more people. If anything, you're going to need less people to do it because what you're doing is you're giving another skill set to, uh, to the development team. I think the concern that senior management might have is, well, this is going to slow them down, that you know they're going to be doing the work of the security team as part of the development process. And what we found is it actually doesn't slow down. We have the numbers from our report to show that if you're fixing the defects earlier, it's actually more, more productive. So by shifting left and embedding this in, we can show that it, it, it's much faster than the old way of doing security, fixing things, fixing things towards, towards the end. So we would show that the productivity of teams that are automating it in, we have over 60% of our customers doing security testing are doing it through an API. So they're automating it in, and we know how quickly they're scanning. Are they scanning daily or weekly? And so with those numbers, we can show that they're fixing quicker and they're fixing more issues. So you're getting the security actually in a more timely way that doesn't impact the business. And we can demonstrate that to senior management. Great. Well, that is a wrap for this episode of Hard Look at Software Security. I want to thank Chris Weisopel, co-founder and CTO of Veracode, for his insights today. And in our next episode, we'll examine why open source components still trouble enterprise security. Visit veracode.com for more information about DevSecOps and secure coding, and for the latest State of Software Security report. For IDG and Veracode, I'm Joan Goodchild. <laughs>